Okay. So, um, the question of pain. There are two parts of the answer. The first thing to do is to forgive the situation, the person, the fact. Whatever the thing is that is bothering me, I need to forgive it. Now, to forgive does not mean it's terrible, but I am going to accept it. That's false forgiveness. Real forgiveness is to withdraw my judgment from it. A friend of mine, Nadia, 20 years ago, in a firm I worked for, would say she'd come to my desk 8 o'clock every evening. We were the last two people in the office. And we'd list out the things which happened that day, which weren't so good. And she'd say after each one, it's not a good thing, it's not a bad thing, it's just a thing. (laughs) And that's real forgiveness, is where I say, it is the way it is. Maybe we can take steps to change things a little for the better, but it is the way it is. Pain, however, actually before that, when I forgive, it stops me adding to the pain, but there will be pain I have ordered and paid for, and if you've ordered pain and paid for it through thinking negative thoughts, the goods will be delivered. So the question is either to pretend I'm not feeling pain, but I don't know who the delivery company is in Israel, but if they knock on the door and you don't answer, they will come back the next day. (laughs) They will try to deliver again. (coughs) And pain is like this. So my experience is to visualize the pain in front of me and you imagine one of those martial arts like judo or karate where your opponent is over there and you say to the opponent come at me do your worst and you say to the pain hit me with everything you've got. And when it hits, you name it, you feel where it is in the body, and often, five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes later, it's gone and the air is clear. And a friend of mine said once, don't stick a sticking plaster on this. You've been working very hard to get to this point. So when the pain is there, 
let it. And a sponsor once said to me, you don't need to process pain or any feelings. You need to feel them. That's why they're called feelings. The problem is that I never wanted to feel feelings. I wanted to talk about them. I wanted to think about them. I wanted to analyze them. I then wanted to vomit them on other people. <laughs> but I didn't want to feel them. And when you feel them, you realize they don't present a threat. When they're happening, I feel like I'm going to explode. But eventually, the crying stops. And then you go and put the kettle on. <laughs> and everything is normal. You fill the washing machine. Uh, so, step five. I've had friends who, when they do step five, go and spend all Sunday, different week in Great Britain, uh, all Sunday for a year, every Sunday with the sponsor, because they've written so much and it all requires such a lot of analysis. And if people want to do that, uh, you go and do that. But step five in the big book is where I convey, where I communicate the exact nature of my wrongs. And so a good step five can be 40 minutes to an hour of two types of things. On page 75, it says that we are to look for the um, uh, twists of character, that's defects of character, and dark crannies. Crannies are corners, dark corners of the past. I have, an un I have a limited set of character defects. I have a limited set of dark corners of the past. Say it as it is, maybe give one example of each defect of character. But my friend Tom says, if you are a thief, the exact nature of your wrong is that you are a thief. You do not need to list every single thing you have stolen. <laughs> if you nag, which is if I nag, when I nag, I don't just give the instruction once, I give it again and again and again until it is followed or until the person goes away. <laughs> so the exact nature of my wrong is that I nag. I've now said it. There is nothing more to say. <laughs> and if you do step five like that, it's quick. And you end up with a mental overview, a mental summary of the entire problem. You can hold the problem between your hands. And you go from having a universe of problem 
to a list on a sheet of paper and it makes it manageable to me. Step six. Yes. But you do have to go through the whole story to know that you're a happy person. The way I do step four and five with sponsees is I accompany them on the writing of the step four. So the analysis and going through the detail happens then. But step five is a separate exercise where we bring all of the information together and we boil it down to a simple list and then you can breathe again. So it's like preparation throughout the year and then the exam when it all comes together. Um, step six. There are two ways of living. I can either act out or I can rely on God. There are only two options. There is a button for each. You get to press the button you want to press. So I don't need to be willing on each individual defect. I need to be willing across my life. This makes step six very sensible. It's very, very, why did I say sensible? Very manageable. I, and sensible. It means I don't need to reanalyze each defect. I say, do I want the ego system or do I want the God system? If this belongs to the ego system, I don't want it because the ego is all about fear. So step six is very simple for me and step seven is step three with sharp teeth. So in step three, in principle, I am giving over my life and will to God. In step seven, I'm doing it based on much better information than I had at step three. And I say the prayer on page 76 and then continue. Steps eight and nine. My step eight, that's where the hardest work is in the program because of the way I do it three columns this isn't in the big book three columns first column what did I actually do I've heard people say to me in the first column I created a bad atmosphere in the room and I want to know well I know what you mean I've seen people create a bad atmosphere but what did you do were you doing the dishes loudly, hoping that everyone else would notice you were doing the dishes? That's one way of doing it. But I want to know exactly what you did. Oh, you stayed silent and ignored your husband. Okay, so that's how you created the atmosphere. So concrete, specific, real-world action as it is seen by the other person. 
not your intention, not your thoughts, not your feelings, what you actually did. Second column, what should I have done instead? Now, in AA, it's really, really simple. What should I do instead? Be useful, be nice. But if you're an anon, you can be useful and nice in a way which will kill people. Um, there's a quotation, I can't remember where it is from, it's not a program quotation, where someone says, she helps a lot of people. You can tell who they are by the terrified looks on their faces. <laughs> so with alcoholics, the second column of step eight, what should I have done instead? Not have stolen the car. Okay, really simple. There's no argument there. <laughs> Leave the money where it was. <laughs> In Al-Anon, it's a lot more complicated. And this is where, in the second column, what should I have done instead? This is the second place where I use the Al-Anon literature very heavily. I can't take a situation to the literature. I need to have studied the literature first, made my lists of how should I behave, how should I not behave, how should I think, how should I not think. And what comes out of my steps eight and nine is partly this, the third column, who suffered and how. And this is where I mentally put myself in the place of the person I'm in the relationship with and say, when someone treats me like that, how do I feel? And this produces the willingness. And I have to then do two things. Sometimes it requires a surface apology. I need to say, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done what I did. What can I do to make it right? Sometimes it requires a subtle but real change in attitude and behavior. And this is where I construct what is called on page 69 of the big book, a sane and sound ideal for each relationship 69 for each relationship or type of relationship so major family relationships each one separately students is a whole category other AA members a whole category other Al-Anon members a whole category and I get my ideal beliefs, thinking, and behavior straight from the Al-Anon literature. I read and read and read until I think, aha, that would have helped. If I had done that, <laughs> it would have been all right. And sometimes the sane and sound behavior is very subtle stuff. 
So if I send someone a text and it's a tricky relationship, it might be at the level of thinking. My ideal is not to think about their response to the text after I have sent it. Send the text and go and do something else, or when they do respond, I'm going to be full of negative emotion and I will react badly. <laughs> so sometimes the, what I need to do to change is very internal. So what I get out of steps eight and nine, list of people to apologize to, and a, a set of sane and sound ideals for each relationship or domain of life. So I've had to have a sane and sound ideal for politics. I know we have trouble with politics in Great Britain. I know you don't have any trouble with politics here at all. But I have a very simple approach in my case, my sane and sound ideal. I know which party I support, I give them money, I lead them to it, I mentally stay out of it because I can't deal with it. I can't be everything. <laughs> so I do the thing that I'm good at, I leave other people to be activists, I can't, I'm not fit for that. Um, steps 10, 11 and 12. I'm going to start with step 12. Um, if I've decided to give my will and life to God, I'm the employee, God is the employer, and I don't need to understand the corporate strategy. All I need to know is what my boss wants me to do today. Now, the first thing I need to do is uh, be a child of God and let God look after me. And to do that, I say to God, where do I need to go today? Who do I need to talk to? What do I need to do to look after myself? If I'm in a terrible state, I can't be any real use to other people. So this comes first. The second role with God is that of employee to employer. So what are my obligations today? And that might be service within the fellowship. It might be service carrying the message to society, telling society or local professionals about the fellowship. Could be sponsorship. It could be home group service. And then this service at work so in my job, I treat the work as being for God, even though I have clients. I don't work for the clients, I work for the God. For, for God. I send the document to the client. <laughs> that is what I'm doing for God. 
uh, service and fulfilling obligations with friends and family. And then what obligations do I have to my community and to society as a whole? Uh, again, because I'm so controlling and so opinionated, I stay out of society. Again, there are charities that do things that I think are important. Once a year, I write the checks and then put the whole thing out of my mind because I can't deal with it. And that's fine. I've come to terms with the fact that, as I said, I can't be everything. I can't have a finger in each pot. So I do a few things well rather than everything badly. But steps 10 and 11, there were some good questions that came in advance of this, which I'm going to answer, and some questions on sponsorship. Um, so in the morning, uh, all I need to do is go back to that position of peace, and sometimes it takes me a while to get to the position of peace and I use a visualization where I imagine myself in this safe bubble <coughs> with the so-called real world out there but I'm safe inside this bubble with my higher power and I just wait until things relax and calm down and that can take a while <laughs> and then I say to God what do you want me to do today who do you want me to talk to and what spirit do I do these actions in and that one is easy calm cheerful helpful but keep my mouth shut most of the time, mind my own business. There are extra swear words included in those in the British English versions of that. Keep my mouth shut, mind my own business. <laughs> uh, Ask, does it need to be said? Does it need to be said right now? Does it need to be said by me? Um, sometimes I need a strategy of non-engagement when I'm going to be meeting a difficult person who uses lots of words but where there's not a lot of information just a lot of words and a lot of emotion. With difficult people, and I have been difficult people, <laughs> um, <laughs> with difficult people, sometimes I need to, you can't stay silent, because that's aggressive. So you have to say something. And the six answers, when you have to say something, but you don't want to engage in the substance, Six answers are yes, no, really, <laughs> wow, <laughs> okay, thank you. And I 
just go back and forth between these. <laughs> Don't tell anyone about this list. <laughs> or someone said to me once, you're using the list, aren't you? I said, yes. <laughs> He said, I don't like this. I said, okay. You can carry on forever. A couple of other... In Al-Anon... Yes, no, really? Wow, okay, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Sometimes... Uh, in recovery, we have acronyms, so the, the, the words spell, the first letters of the word spell another word. Wait, why am I talking? It's a really helpful question to ask myself. Why is there noise coming out of my mouth? About five minutes later, waste. Why am I still talking? (laughs) Um, In thinking about the day ahead, two, and I said this on Thursday, so I apologise, but uh, I get this from my friend Annie. Um, Help is the sunny side of control. I've got to be careful that my help is really helping. Sometimes it looks like help, but nothing is getting better. I'm just busy. I'm just giving advice. (laughs) Um, Steps 10 and 11. So, step 11, in the morning, all I'm doing, coming to a place of peace and with my higher power designing the day. Now, there are times I have done formal prayer. Sorry. That's all right. (laughs) So, so step 11 in the morning. Uh, Arrive at a place of peace. Design the day with my higher power. And sometimes there is formal prayer too. But the point of the formal prayer is to support the main business of step 11 which is to have a plan for the des- for the day a design for the day it's very easy to have religion over here on one side of the room and step 11 over the other side and the religious observance is impeccable but has no connection to step 11 because I'm not using that connection to inform my view of the day. I've got to bring the two together. Step 10. Someone said, can you clarify step 10? We have a problem here. which is that the step 10 on the wall is very different than step 10 in the big book. Step 10 on the wall looks like miniature step 4. Step 10 in the book is a couple of things. Page 84, 
page 85. Page 84 is we continue to watch for bad thoughts, bad action, and we come back to right thoughts and right action. So it's like when you're driving the car, you adjust the steering wheel to come back to the middle of the lane. That's all. And page 85, saying to God, um, every day is a day when I must carry the vision of God's will into all my activities. So that gives me a focus. What do I do next? What do I do next? What do I do next? Um, let me just have a look. There was something here. How do you remove the problems in your thinking and behavior? Uh, a very simple answer is I don't. Uh, when I am in fear and ego, I cannot do anything right. When I'm at peace, I can't do anything wrong. So, all I need to do is step 10, which is to come back to the point of peace and basically to pause and sometimes I'm on the phone to someone and I'll say 30 seconds later I'm still pausing <laughs> sometimes I say I'm going to have to pause until tomorrow or next week sometimes people have come back to me weeks later and I say I'm still pausing. <laughs> I still don't know. So this gets rid of the need for constant self-improvement. I do not need to fix or control or improve myself. All I ever need to do is come back to the point of peace and from that point say, God, is there anything you do want me to do right now? Step 11. In the evening is a review of the day. It's where you get out of your car, you've been driving during the day, and there have been some bumps on the road, and you check the front of the car for blood and fur. <laughs> What has gone wrong? What did I hit today? Um, step 11 on page 86, the nightly review, has got a bunch of questions. You could write for an hour a day if you wanted to. I don't find that useful. I do the step 11 review at night with my higher power. And I just look for a couple of major things. This is not a time to practice obsessive-compulsive disorder. It's fine just to look for a couple of things that went wrong. Say to God, 
show me the right thing, show me the corrective measure for tomorrow and let's see if we can change a little tomorrow. And people asked what happens when it becomes monotonous. Um, I found it becoming monotonous when I write it out. It doesn't say in the book to write it. Sometimes writing helps. If writing helps, write. If writing stops helping, stop writing. <laughs> Sometimes people send each other written Step 11 reviews. And there are times that helps, but there are times that makes it worse because it takes the problems of the day and it makes them concrete and solid and like this physical thing in front of you. There are other times you write it and it goes from your head onto the paper, you're now free. The same action can do different things to different people at different times. So I think with step 11, with the review, there are lots of different ways of doing it. Ask for a range of different experiences. When it gets boring, change it. Um, is there anything I can do if sponsees get through the steps but don't do a nightly review? The very simple answer to this is that's their problem. <laughs> As a sponsor it's not my problem. As a sponsor I get to offer someone a program, I get to explain it, but it is not my job to convince you it is a good idea and it is not my job to persuade you to do it. If you do it, it is because you want to, not because I've told you to. Because then you're doing it for yourself and not for me. However, um, when a sponsee disappears for six weeks and then comes back in enormous pain, my ego instinct is to tell them off, to wag my finger at them, to list all of the things that they have done wrong and to say, it's obviously your fault that you're feeling this way. Because that was one of the tools I learned as a child. If you want to get someone to do something, you make them feel guilty and because they want to get rid of the guilt, they will obey you so that you withdraw your judgment of them. It's a very simple mechanism and it works, but it hurts. So I want to not do that with sponsees. So I put the question back to sponsees. I point them to the list of actions that I've said. I've given them earlier and say, if you want to feel differently, maybe you want to act differently, before we discuss any detail, 
Have a look. Have you done what you agreed to do six months ago? Put all of those actions in place for a week, two weeks, maybe a month. And then we'll talk about the detail. Because what I find is that when I'm taking all of the actions that are offered to me, most of my emotional disturbance dries up, dries off. It's just gone. And then you're left with real things to deal with. So I'll say to sponsees, this is what I've offered you in the past. Would you like to do what has already been offered? It's very different than saying you're a naughty child. But it all goes back to the basic question to someone. Do you want to get well? Do you want to feel differently? If you want to feel differently, you're going to need different beliefs, different thinking, different actions. The choice is now yours. Um, Sponsees who don't want to sponsor others. And the question, what if people don't have time for sponsorship? Um, I think there are two points. The first one is the, my basis for sponsoring other people is um, the solution to all of my addiction and alanonism is becoming a servant of God as opposed to a servant of me. So the whole basis for the deal, the whole basis of the program is that when you get to the end, it is so you can be of service to your higher power in whatever way your higher power decides. And the second point is that... Um, I hope this isn't blasphemous to say so, but a friend of mine is, says, God is of above average intelligence. God is smarter than most people. And so if I give the job, if I say to God, I've got a family, I have work, I have a household, I have a this, I have a that, and someone has asked me to sponsor them. Or seven people have asked me to sponsor them. It's God's job to find a way for me to do that and get everything done. And I'm going to finish on this um, simple point. Uh, and it's a story which could take 15 minutes to tell or two minutes. I'll give the 30 second version. If you have a pot which is full of potatoes, you would say the pot is full of potatoes. And then uh, you pour chickpeas in and the chickpeas in go the chickpeas go in between the potatoes and it now looks full. And then you pour rice in and the rice goes in the gaps between the chickpeas which are in the gaps between the potatoes and it looks full until you put the water in and 
you, you'd think now it's full. Is there anything missing? Once it's full up with water, potatoes, rice and chickpeas, can you add anything else to the pot? Salt. A little bit of salt and spice. Okay, now we have the salt and spice. The water is up to the brim. Can you add anything else? Heat. <laughs> and that's the bit that God adds. So God is very, very resourceful in my experience. There are ways of fitting everything in that I might need to be, this is a terrifying word for people in recovery, flexible. <laughs> I may need to, to use quick, simple solutions rather than complex solutions. I might need to not fix someone but instead give them a simple task where fixing them would take an hour but the simple task a sponsor once said to me um, I said I'm miserable I was studying it was Sunday I'd been in all day and he could have spent an hour on the phone to me examining my thoughts about my feelings about my studying <laughs> and instead he said when was the last time you smelled a flower and I said what has that got to do with anything he said go and smell a flower and then call me back it took me an hour <laughs> to find a flower <laughs> When I got home and called him, he was out. <laughs> this was very successful sponsorship. Uh, um, we've come to the end of the time that we have. I have um, little cards with... Uh, I, I write a little blog which has got some information on it and I can give you a card for the blog if you use the internet. Um, uh, which might help or it might not um, and it just leaves me to uh, thank you for being here I've enjoyed this enormously um, and would someone like to close with the serenity prayer okay. God God love and serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference.